And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Bungie? Nice call. I met him at the laundry map. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Herbert Marshall stars as government spy Ken Thurston on The Man Called X from 1951. Then Eve Arden stars as 10th grade English teacher Connie Brooks on part one of our Miss Brooks from 1949. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. You want to hear Man Called X? I sure do. Well, whenever there is mystery, adventure, intrigue in all the strange and dangerous places in the world, there you will find the Man Called X. Debonair British actor Herbert Marshall starred as FBI secret agent Ken Thurston, the man who crosses the ocean as readily as you and I cross town. He is the man who fights today's war in his unique fashion so that tomorrow's peace will make the world a neighborhood for all of us. Leon Belasco played Mr. X's comedic sidekick, Pagan Zeldschmidt, who always turned up in remote parts of the world to assist Thurston. The Man Called Axe debuted over CBS July 10, 1944. It moved to NBC in 1950 and continued through May 20, 1952. In 1956, Ziv Television adapted The Man Called Axe as a 39-episode syndicated series starring Barry Sullivan as Ken Thurston. All right, it's time now for a radio episode from May 18, 1951. This is called The Assassination by Zombies. It stars Herbert Marshall as The Man Called X. Now we present Herbert Marshall as The Man Called X. Wherever there is mystery, intrigue, romance, in all the strange and dangerous places of the world, there you will find The Man Called X. Port-au-Prince, Haiti, like many cities of the world, is a mixture in sharp contrast of the old and the new. An up-to-date airport serves its commerce, and modern business buildings line its streets. But deep in the jungle, and even in the plantations outside the city, the drums of voodoo still sound their pagan rhythms in the night. And again, the well-dressed man who steps from a limousine at the entrance of the government building is a product of the new. But the thing that awaits him is as old as terror itself. Call for me here at three, Ronaldo. Good morning, Your Excellency. Oh, good morning, Dr. Weimar. Lovely day, isn't it? Yes, it is a perfect day. Uh, tell me, sir, have you... Look up, Your Excellency. Huh? Zombie? No, wait. I... No, no, no. Your Excellency, I... Are you filthy? Shooting was not very well timed, Captain Andre. Eh? Uh, what do you mean, Dr. Weimar? I mean, perhaps it should have been ten seconds sooner, or else not at all. Five assassinations in three weeks, and every one of the victims a government official. 
I just phoned the Haitian consul a few minutes ago, Chief. Says the whole island's in a turmoil down there. Well, what gets me, Canada's business about zombies? The walking dead. Why, it's right out of a dime novel. It's ridiculous. All right, Chief. You don't believe in zombies, and I don't. But a lot of the natives in Haiti do, and that's the point. Oh, I know there's still plenty of superstition left in the world, but this whole thing just doesn't make sense. I've seen it done before in Ceylon, the Sudan, India. It's a matter of hypnotism and drugs. It creates a perfect assassin with no thought for his own safety and only one idea in mind, to kill. But why? Assuming somebody is doing this in Haiti, why? Well, all the victims have been government officials. It looks like an attack on the government itself. Yeah. And the little hot spots have a habit of turning into big ones. Sure. Serbia, Spain. All right, Ken. Go to it. Somebody stands to profit by this. The problem is to find out who. And the answer? Well, I guess I better look for it in Haiti. So long, Chief. Oh, yes, that's right. Captain Andreas, at your service, sir. No, how did you do? I've been assigned to escort you to General Brock. General Brock? The general commands the Department of Police and Military Affairs. Oh, yes. Tell me, have there been any new developments? No, sir. Not since His Excellency the Finance Minister was killed in front of the government building two days ago. As I understand it, there hasn't been one of these zombies captured alive. That is correct. They're like mad dogs. One cannot take chances. Oh, it might be worth taking a chance to be able to question one of them. Well, so far there's been really no opportunity to capture one of them. I see it. These affairs happen so fast that... that... What is it, Captain? This man coming towards us is a special investigator hired by the consul in New York. A terrible nuisance, really. Permit me to introduce myself, sir. I am Jose Cacahuate. My car. South American agent for North American van lines. Hmm. From Tucumcari to Tallahassee, Chattanooga to Cucamonga, we haul anything, anywhere, anywhere. All right, Pagan, take off that phony beard and come up for air. I can't take it off. I'm in the Secret Service. Well, that's one branch of government you, sh- you should know all about. You've been running from for several years. Mr. Thurston, that's my bread and butter you're stepping on. What are you doing down here, anyway? Why, I'm investigating this zombie business. Whatever that oh, is. Oh, sure. Oh, well, now, Dr. my Andres, theory... do you happen to have any ideas as to what may be behind this mess? Well, nothing definite, Mr. Thurston. There is a general feeling that the plantation owners may be responsible in some way. The plantation owners? Why? Well, they've had very little voice in the government in recent years. Control has been in the hands of city politicians, so naturally... And did you become a political commentator, my pet? Marla. Uh, this is Ken Thurston, Miss Bussard. How do you do? And Mr. Zell Schmidt, you know, of course. Sure. Hiya, babe. Oh, you horrid little man. Andres, I'm terribly sorry to break in on you this way, but I did want to remind you about dinner this evening. Well, I'm not sure, Marla. General Brock has assigned me as liaison to Mr. Thurston. Well, then by I... all means bring Mr. Thurston, too. You oh. will come, won't you? Well, I... Oh, please. If you like Creole cooking, you'll love Haitian food. All right. You found my weak spot. Good. Andres will bring you out, Mr. Thurston, and I look forward to showing you around my plantation. I don't mind confessing that it's a relief to have you here, Mr. Thurston. I'm a man of action myself, and the mystery leaves me floundering. Well, this is all a mystery to me so far, General Brock. Possibly these case records may help a little. Well, I hope so, I hope so, but they don't make sense to me. Five men in a row struck down on the streets without any rhyme or reason to it. Oh, I think there's a rhyme and a reason. Matter of finding them. Well, I hope that happens soon, sir. 
One more murder will mean martial law, and then the whole business will be dumped right on my shoulders. Yes, I see what you mean. General Brock, have you considered the possibility that one of your own men may be involved in this? That's ridiculous, sir. Police and army are absolutely trustworthy. Well, I know that's the usual theory, but... I can vouch for them to a man, sir. Something else, General. This idea of the plantation owners being responsible. Is that a possibility? Well, possibility in theory, I suppose, but not in fact. Why, some of them are my best friends. Fine people, all of them. I see. Well, I'll look over these records and talk with you later. Well, I dare say we'll find time tonight at dinner. You're coming to Miss Broussard's, too? Yes, yes. Fine girl, Marla. Wonderful person. Wonderful. Well, good luck, Mr. Thurston. Call on me if you need any help, sir. Thanks, General. I will. Hey, over here, Mr. Thurston. Well, secret agent Zellschmidt. Still wearing the beard, I see. I need the money, Mr. X. How did I know what I was getting into? When I heard they were having trouble with zombies, I thought somebody was watering the liquor. Well, what do you think now? I think I'm scared. Good reason to be, too. Chance of being turned into a zombie at any moment. Oh, don't say that. A glassy-eyed, mindless idiot with no intellect or... Hmm, come to think of it, I guess you're safe at that. Mr. Thurston, I... Kagan, what's the tie-up between Malabusa and Captain Andreas? Well, who knows, except he, he follows her around like a moonstruck cap. A lucky dog. She wraps him around her little finger. Why, Mr. Thurston, she's practically got him hypnotized. Guest whom you haven't met, Mr. Thurston, Dr. Weimar. Oh, Dr. I knew a Dr. Weimar in Vienna before the war. Carl, I think his name was. My brother, Mr. Thurston. He is uh, no longer living. Oh, I'm sorry. Psychiatrist, wasn't he? Yes, with a specialty in hypnotherapy. Oh, your field too, Dr. Weimar? It was originally. My practice here, however, is primarily medical. I see. Listen, everyone. It's such a lovely night that I decided we'd have dinner on the veranda. Oh, wonderful. Uh, very good. Wonderful, wonderful. We'll go all through the side doors there. General Brock. Yes, my dear. Would you and Andres like to leave your firearms in here? Oh? I'm not really so dangerous that you have to be armed. Oh, on the contrary, my dear. You're so completely dangerous that mere firearms wouldn't do us the least bit of good. Obviously, General Brock. This way, Mr. Thurston. Thanks. Ah, you're right. It is lovely out here. I wouldn't trade it for all the rest of... Well, what's the matter, Mr. Thurston? Nothing. I was just listening to the drums. Oh, yes. Voodoo drums or signal drums. Opinions vary. Miss Imala, you excuse me? Oh, yes, Granaloo. Is approval with you if me go now? Of course, Granaloo. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Miss Imala. She's been with me for years. Devoted. A wonderful woman. But where's she going? Oh, she has a little house of her own in the bush. Uh, Holds voodoo ceremonies in it, I'm quite certain. A lot of natives still believe in it, you know. As they do in zombieism. Yes. Shall we sit down? Uh, You on my right, Mr. Thurston. Uh, Thank you. Andres there. Well, thank you. And you on the other side, General Brock. Uh, Thank you, my dear. Dr. Weimar, over here. Uh, Wait. Look. Why, yes. But what's the devil... His eyes, glassy, fixed. It's a zombie. Now, let's get back. If I can hold his attention. Swing this chair. Inside, Captain Andres. Get our gun. Just one swing now and... Good timing, Mr. Heston. He's knocked unconscious. Stand back, everybody. Where is he? Where did he go? No, Captain. Put down that gun. No, don't. 
Why? There was no need of that, Captain. The man was unconscious. It wasn't a man. It was a zombie. You can't take chances. You... Well... You were a little hasty, though, weren't you? You have to kill zombies. It's the only way to... The only way it's to... It's all right, Andres. You come in the house with me now. Oh. You did the right thing, Maggie. You were right, of course, Mr. Thurston. The boy was hasty, but... Confound it, you don't understand the pressure all of us are under out here. Maybe not, General Brock. But I don't understand why you've never captured one alive. Well, yes, I know, but... Oh, confound it, I'd, I'd better go see what's eating the home. Mr. Thurston... Am I correct in assuming that you noticed the same thing I did? I saw something, Dr. Weimar. Fantastic, though. Is it? Good night, Mr. Thurston. Good night, Doctor. All right, Pega. You can come out from under that table now. Well, I'm only hired to investigate these zombies, Mr. Thurston, not to fight with them. Well, so that's what they look like, eh? Some of them. The other one here tonight looked different, though. Only one? Sure. Captain Andres. Huh? Didn't you notice him when he ran out here and shot this man? He had the eyes of a zombie. Five assassinations in three weeks, and the island of Haiti is swept by a wave of terror. One word is whispered over and over on the plantations and through the dark hills. Zombies, the walking dead. Ken himself was an eyewitness to killing number six. And now he and Pagan make their way cautiously through the midnight bush, heading for the hut of a voodoo article, old granola. What do you want with this granola woman anyhow? Just checking. That zombie came out of the bush about a minute after she went into it. And she may be a voodoo leader. She's devoted to... Wait a second. There she is in front of the hut. Keepers, creepers. Let's get out of here, Mr. Thurston. Please come on up here where I can see you. Oh, it's too late. Come on, Pedro. I've been waiting for you, Mr. X. Uh, why, Granaloo? My people out there in the hills, they ask what will be done to save them from this terror. And I have not known what to tell them. And what will you tell them now? That you have come. You knew I'd come. And you know who I am. How, Gunnaloo? There is still much knowledge in the jungle that has never yet been found. Have you found the answer, Mr. X? Yes, I found it. But I don't know yet how to deal with it. You will. My people will be very happy when I tell them. I thought they're on the veranda that... Your pigeon English was all put on. One must play many roles in this life, Mr. X. Yes, I know. I will speak to my people now. Good night, Benelou. Come on, Pagan. Wait for me in the car, Pagan. I'm going to stop in at the house. Mr. Thurston, wait. No, no, the gun isn't necessary, Mr. Thurston. I wasn't waiting here to threaten you. The thing is, I'm... Well, I'm scared. Yes, I can understand how you would be, Captain Andreas. You say tonight is the second time something like that has happened? You mean shooting first and thinking later? It's not like me, Mr. Thurston. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. You want to understand it, Captain? Yes. No matter what the answer is, no matter what I... I've got to find out. All right. Listen. Come with me now and don't say anything to anyone. Stay at my hotel tonight. And in the morning we'll go see Dr. Weimar together. I... I don't trust Weimar. You don't have to trust him. Trust me. 
never far under the drug now, Mr. Thurston. And the trance, too, is about as steep as I care to take him just now. Well, it's entirely up to your judgment, Dr. Vimer. I'm a little, well, it's a little out of my field here. Then I think we might try for some of the phrases, some of the commands that were given him when he was hypnotized previously. Uh, do you agree, Mr. Thurston? Yeah, go ahead, Doctor. Captain Andres, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. And do you understand who's here with you and what's happening? Yes, sir. You're Dr. Weimar. Mr. Thurston is here and you've hypnotized me. A part of me is asleep, a part of me is awake and listening to you. You called it... Uh, uh... Dissociation. Yes, sir. Now, the awake part of you, Captain Andres, is the part I'm talking to. It's the part that remembers. Remembers everything. Including the last time you were hypnotized. Yes, sir. I remember... What were you told at that time, Captain? I was... I was told to kill zombies, take no chances. How were you told? What were the words? You can hear the command now. What is it, Captain? Uh... What is it? Kill all zombies after they've killed. Kill all captured zombies. Forget you were told this. It's almost as though a woman were talking. You can't always be sure, Mr. Thurston. I can't remember anything. He's been given a lot of commands to forget. It's going to take quite a lot of work to get it out of him. Well, I'm afraid I'll have to leave him in your hands, Dr. Weimar. I've got an appointment with General Brock. Those case records then, Mr. Thurston, no use to you at all, so it seems, sir. Well, not much anyway, General Brock. No. Oh, I've got a few hazy ideas, but nothing really worth mentioning. Ah, that's too bad, too bad. I've managed to stall off martial law until tomorrow morning. That's about as far as I'll be able to push it, however. Well, that still gives me some time. Time. That's the enemy I've fought all my life. Action's the thing. Which accounts, I imagine, for all these... Trophies on the walls. Eh? Oh, oh, the animal head, yes. Collected in Central Africa over a good many years. Nothing any fool couldn't do. But, uh, here is a trophy for you, Mr. Thurston. Oh, yes. What is it? Polished quartz? No, it's rutile. Beautiful job of cutting, isn't it? I attached it to this watch chain so I could swing it. Like a pendulum. Watch it glitter. Glitter this way. Back and forth. Back and forth. Notice the fire in it, Mr. Thurston? The play of lights deep inside the stone? Yes, it's fascinating. I could watch it for hours. Glittering. Scintillating. Shifting. Changing. Patterns of light as it swings. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. Yes, I see. Makes me drowsy sometimes. Sleepy. My eyes get heavy. Like yours are now. Yes. Heavier and heavier. Sleepier and sleepier. So sleepy you can't open them. Sleep. Sleep. And now you're sound asleep. Yes. Sound asleep. You can't open your eyes, Mr. Thurston. You're sound asleep. I'm sound asleep. Asleep. Good. Mr. Thurston, you're a fool. Yes. I'm a fool. 
Hypnotism is such a simple art. You ought to learn more about it. Now, I'm going to give you some orders, Thurston. Commands. And then I'm going to wake you up. You won't remember being hypnotized. You'll forget all about this. But when the time comes, you'll carry out the commands. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. All right. Now, listen. I'm having a little dinner party at my residence this evening. The same group that was out at Mallard's last night. And during this dinner, at my signal, you're going to draw your gun and kill Dr. Weimar. Do you understand? At your signal, I'm to kill Dr. Weimar. And here is the signal. I'll say, doesn't it seem a little hot in here? The signal, you'll say, doesn't it seem a little hot in here? Good. And now I'm going to wake you up, Thurston. At the count of three, you'll be wide awake, and you won't remember any of this. Understand? Yes, sir. All right, then. One, two, three. Uh, Natives of that particular area polished the stones by some method all their own. I never could discover how they did it. That's very interesting, General. Well, I guess I'd better get back to work. Oh, by the way, Mr. Thurston, I'm having a little dinner party here at my place this evening. like to have you join us. Fine, what time? Oh, let's make it eight o'clock. All right, General. I'll see you at eight. And that's the first portion of The Man Called X with the Assassination by Zombies, starring Herbert Marshall. We'll get back to it after these words. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to The Man Called X. subject, and here we go again, talking about what? Zombies, naturally. Uh, would somebody please pass the salt? Well, it's a little hard to ignore a subject that's caused six deaths in a row. What have you found out, Mr. Thurston? Any results yet? Well, it depends on what you mean by results, Captain Andres. None at least that have led to what General Brock would call action. Well, unfortunately, I'm being forced into action. Martial law goes into effect at eight o'clock tomorrow, orders of the cabinet. It's the old familiar pattern, and a bad one. Armed guards everywhere, a curfew, law courts closed. Bulletins, orders, and force. Yes, it's an ugly picture, Dr. Weimar, for most people. For most people? I'd say for everybody concerned. Not necessarily, Marla. I came down here with one idea in mind. To look for the person most likely to profit from this zombie terror. Well, I found that person pretty quickly. It wasn't really much of a problem. <clears throat> I, I say, doesn't it seem a little hot in here? The problem was deciding how to deal with the situation. Mr. Thurston, doesn't it seem a little hot in here? Not to me, General Brock. But what I said was... I know what you said. I also know a few things about hypnotism. Enough at least not to fix my attention on a shiny pendulum. All right, Captain Andres. General Brock, I have here a presidential warrant authorizing your arrest. But Captain Andres, I bet. Look, Thurston is a zombie. Your gun, please. Look, don't you understand? Thurston is a zombie. No use, General Brock. Dr. Weimar worked on the captain for five hours today. Your number one mop-up zombie is... Unzombified. Hold on. This way, General. March. All right. This way. Out. Out. Dictatorship by way of martial law. Was that his idea, Mr. Thurston? Of course, Mona. It's an easier way than revolution. Well, one thing at least. There won't be any more of those zombies now. No, maybe not the kind he was creating. 
But there are other kinds. They're fighting and killing and dying all over the world. Millions of them. Mindless and blind, they... They follow just one command. Kill, destroy, kill. And yet who's really to blame? The zombies themselves or the men who create them? Here is our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. Thanks for being with us. Join us, won't you, when next I return as the man called X. Good night. And that's the man called X from May 18, 1951, with the assassination by zombies starring Herbert Marshall. Also in the cast, we heard Leon Belasco, Lou Merrill, Stan Waxman, DJ Thompson, Barbara Fuller, Will Wright, and William Conrad. It was sponsored by Anison, as heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. Did you like it, Lisa? I liked it, Carl. All right, you ready for one of your favorite comedies? I sure am. Time now for Our Miss Brooks. It was a situation comedy show heard on radio and seen on television and in films. It starred Hollywood film and New York stage veteran Eve Arden. She played Connie Brooks, English teacher at fictional Madison High School, a smart and sharp-witted but ever-likable character. And uh, you remember this from radio and television, right? There was films as well. And they air these uh, oftentimes on the network cable stations that carry classic television. Eve Arden is fantastic. She was really born to play this part. It enjoyed great ratings on radio and then when it moved to television. We have a radio episode for you now called Student Convict Day. It stars Eve Arden. Here's part one of Our Miss Brooks. Palm Olive Soap, your beauty hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Last Friday was Student Government Day, a day upon which the entire administration of the city is handed over to high school pupils who have been elected by their classmates. Well, ordinarily, our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, would have very little to do with this event. But unfortunately, Miss Johnson, the civics teacher, took ill on Thursday, and our principal, Mr. Conklin, suggested that I take over her class. Of course, I didn't have to accept the assignment. I just figured that teaching is better than being totally unemployed. (laughs) In some states, it's better. (laughs) At any rate, I conducted Miss Johnson's civics class on Thursday, and on the subject... What would I do if I held public office? The class and I had quite a spirited discussion. And in view of later developments, I'm sorry I didn't listen. But Friday morning finally rolled around, and the entire student body and faculty gathered in the assembly hall to hear Mr. Conklin officially proclaim it Student Government Day. Mr. Boynton, my bashful biologist, was sitting in the front row, and accidentally, with the aid of two bloodhounds, I found myself sitting right next to him. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks Why, Mr. Boynton, this is a surprise To you, anyway I didn't see you sit down I believe I left my notebook on that seat It's just some lecture notes on the North American porcupine Oh, sorry, Mr. Boynton, I didn't even notice it He must have pulled in his quills (laughs) Here you are Thanks, I'll just hold it in my lap Why don't we let the notebook have the seat And you could hold... No, not in school, I guess (laughs) You know, Miss Brooks, something just occurred to me. 
We're always sitting next to each other in assembly. Fate seems to be throwing us together. Compared to my throwing, fate is a sandlot pitcher. <laughs> but perhaps you're right, Mr. Barnum. Maybe we should give fate a helping hand. I'm free for lunch today. How about you? Or would you rather ask me? Or am I being too subtle? <laughs> oh, darn that bell. I'll have to get him in the next round. <laughs> Students, faculty members, and honored guests. First of all, as your principal, I would like to announce that because this is Student Government Day, school will be suspended. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> I sympathize with your disappointment. But as you know, Student Government Day has been tried successfully in many other communities. And I have always been ready to experiment in any progressive plan to foster good citizenship. That is why you see before you on this platform our honored guest, Mayor Rimson. Now, Mayor Rimson, would you care to say a few words? Of course not. He only brought those nine pages along to put his gum in. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Conklin, for your generous introduction. <clears throat> As I look out upon this ocean... <laughs> Of young, eager, intelligent faces, a tide of emotion swells up in me. I'm getting a little seasick myself. And as I think of the glorious future which this community can look forward to at the hands of these youths, I am deeply touched. I have always been well informed on the affairs of young people. He ought to be. He's kissed so many babies you can't see his tie for the pablum. <laughs> And so it is with considerable pride that I now inaugurate for the first time in this community Student Government Day. Therefore, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to you your duly elected mayor, Miss Harriet Conklin. You may applaud now. Thank you. My constituents, friends, and Mayor Rimston. I intend to show this community something new and different by making my term of office a clean and honest administration. Well, no. <laughs> we will not tolerate graft and corruption. We don't. Thank you, Harriet Conklin. As Miss Brooks said in our civics class yesterday, the racketeers must go no matter what politician is protecting them. Oh, that Miss Brooks certainly is a card. <laughs> that will be all, Harriet. Did you really say that in civics class? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Mayor <laughs> Rimson, allow me to apologize for my daughter's enthusiasm. Uh, she was obviously referring to the aims of city governments in general without realizing that those aims have already been attained in our community. Uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> and now... It is my extreme pleasure to introduce the student who has been elected your chief of police, Walter Denton. Thank you. Thank you, friends. As your incumbent police chief, I cannot re-emphasize too forcefully the remarks Miss Brooks made in civics class yesterday. <laughs> to wit, every crook and grafter who has been mulching the city treasury of funds has got to... <laughs> Thank you, Chief of Police Walter Denton. I haven't finished my speech. Oh, yes, you have, Denton. But, Mr. Conklin, as Miss Brooks said just yesterday... This is not a symposium on the memoirs of Miss Brooks. 
Or maybe it is. Miss Brooks, you here? No, I couldn't make it today. What's that? Oh, oh, there you are. Before we go any further, isn't there something you'd like to say? Yes, sir. Is there a doctor in the house? You sent for me, Mr. Conklin? Yes, Miss Brooks, I did. In spite of my abject apologies, Mayor Rimson left here in a very ugly mood. And Miss Brooks... Just what happened in civics class yesterday? Well, we had an open discussion, and somebody opened it wider than I realized. <laughs> but we only discussed corrupt city administrations in general, Mr. Conklin. We made no specific mention of Mayor Rimson's corrupt administration. I mean, uh... Uh, never, never mind what you mean. Thanks to you, we've got a band of young malcontents on our hands. Why, not five minutes ago, a student delegation was in here demanding a three-day school week. And that's not all. They also informed me that they would like a four-hour day, starting from the moment they leave home till the moment they arrive back there. <laughs> That's portal to portal. Next thing you know, they'll be wanting time and a half for leaving the room. <laughs> There's no telling how far this thing can go. They've got the whip hand. They're in public office today. Student government day indeed. Whoever thought up that crack-brained idea ought to have his head examined. Bend over, Mr. Conklin. What? It was your idea. Oh, well, don't change the subject. There's no telling... What... <laughs> I was saying, there's no telling what that student reform party is capable of doing. Miss Brooks, it's up to you to see that they stay out of mischief. But, Mr. Conklin, you said this was a holiday, and I've got a very important lunch date to make. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. You've got to chaperone those students. But, Mr. Conklin... Dismiss, but Miss Brooks. I said fall out. On the double. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> Fine way to spend a holiday, chaperoning a bunch of... What am I running about? I'm halfway down the hall. <laughs> well, that's funny. I stopped right outside Mr. Boynton's biology lab. Well, I might as well go in now that I'm here. <laughs> oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Say, I hope Mr. Conklin wasn't too severe with you. Not at all, Mr. Boynton. How are you at setting bones? And speaking of lunch, which you weren't, the date we almost had, but didn't quite, because you didn't get around to asking me, and which I was going to talk you into, but which I would have had to cancel because Mr. Conklin wants me to chaperone the students who are acting as government officials today. Oh, just a minute, Miss Brooks. I can't quite follow you. Me either, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> I suppose I'm trying to apologize for standing you up. When? Today. You were supposed to have lunch with me today? How nice of you to ask me. <laughs> say the front steps in 15 minutes? Oh, but... I just uh, want to powder my nose and fix up a bit. But you said something about chaperoning the students. Oh, that can wait till after lunch. See you in a little while, Mr. Boynton. I wonder if I'm playing too hard to get. <laughs> now, if I can just avoid her honor, the mayor, and Walter Denton... Well, Walter, there's Miss Brooks. Uh -oh. Hiya, Miss Brooks. We've been looking for you. I've been lurking from you, too. Miss <laughs> Brooks, as mayor of this community... I feel that I have you to thank for many of my high ideals. Me too, Miss Brooks. When you stood up in civics class yesterday with a, a kind of glowing, luminous light emanating from your skull and your chalk <laughs> poised in front of the blackboard, you know who you reminded me of? Joan of Arc at the Battle of the Erasers. <laughs> Look, kids, I promised Mr. Conklin I'd chaperone you today, Wonderful, but I have... Miss Brooks. We're really going to clean up this town. You have no idea what's going on in this town, Miss Brooks. If you'll just stick with us, we'll show you graft and corruption. 
infamy and greed. I'd rather have Mr. Boynton show me spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> now, if you'll just keep quiet about it, I'll meet Mr. Boynton for lunch. Lunch? But what about the ideas of decent, honest government that you had yesterday? Yeah, and don't you want to be in it to kill? Who are we killing? I'm afraid we'll have to take an executive action, Walter. Right. Miss Brooks, I assume you still believe in obedience to duly elected authority? Of course I do, Walter. Then, as chief of police, I hereby appoint you deputy sheriff. For the rest of the day, Miss Brooks, you'll take orders from me. But, Walter... Silence! Oui, mon capitaine. Here, with this badge, I hereby make you a deputy sheriff. Look, Walter, to you I'm a deputy sheriff, and to Harriet I'm a deputy sheriff. But to a deputy sheriff, am I a deputy sheriff? Hmm? <laughs> You'd better pull over, Walter. Why, Miss Brooks? Oh, oh, the siren. No, that's on our car. I put it on this morning. I don't want to see insubordinate, Chief, but just where are we going? To the Jackpot Amusement Company's warehouse. We've been watching the place for weeks, Miss Brooks, in preparation for today. And we've seen truckloads of slot machines delivered there. Slot machines? Sure. The kind they put in the back of candy stores, where little school kids can spend their lunch money in a futile effort to get rich quick. You know... Where you pull a lever and try to hit as many bumpers as possible? Oh, the game I play in my car. Well, those kind aren't so bad. It's the one-armed bandits that keep the kids broke. Oh, they're all fixed. Fixed? Sure. If a machine pays back more than five cents on a dollar, they break its arm. Here we are. The Jackpot Amusement Company. What are we going to do here? We're going to raid the place. We three? No, there's another bunch of kids coming any minute. You see, the fire commissioner had to go home and change his pants. He tore him sliding down the pole at the firehouse. <laughs> well, are you all ready, men? Speaking for some of us men, no. Now, when I blow my police whistle, we'll charge. Sorry, I don't have an account here. <laughs> Let's go. I'm with you, Walter. Oh, now, Walter, Harriet, listen. Let's go to a movie. Open up in the name of the law. Are you going to open up or do we have to break it in? Walter, please. Stand in back of Miss Brooks, Harriet. Oh, fine. Now they're going to use me for a battering ram. <laughs> What's going on out here? Trick or treat. <laughs> What's that? Are you one of the employees of the Jackpot Amusement Company? What if I am? You're under arrest. What? Miss Brooks, you're a deputy sheriff. Arrest this man. Pull over to the curb, bud. <laughs> Look, lady, I'm a busy man. Why don't you just take your kids over to the playground and shove them down a sharp slide? <laughs> now beat it. Oh, resisting arrest, eh? This may go hard with you, my good man. What's going on here? Who blew the police whistle? I did. Officer, arrest this man. What did he do? We try to get fresh with you, lady. No, and that's the story of my life. <laughs> and what do you want him arrested for? Yours not to reason why. As your chief of police, I gave an order. Your duty is to obey. How does that go again, Sonny? You heard him, officer. As mayor, I decree that you arrest this individual. Well, let me get this straight. You're the mayor, and he's the chief of police. Ah, who are you, lady? I'm Joan of Arc, and stop breathing on my armor. <laughs> I do not wish to be rude, but I have to go in now. You see, I am Little Miss Muffet, and I have to go sit on my tuffet for a while. <laughs> this 
This is your last chance, officer. Arrest that man in there, or tomorrow you'll be pounding a beat in a swamp. Oh, pounding a beat in a swamp, is it? Do you realize this is insubordination? Oh, insubordination, is it? You've just got to arrest that man. Oh, arrest that man, is it? This is getting monotonous, was it? <laughs> Look, folks, why don't you all run along and we'll forget about the whole thing? Oh, that settles it. Miss Brooks, arrest this policeman. Arrest this policeman, is it? Now, don't start that again. Will you go quietly, or do I have to use the bracelets? Take it easy, lady. We'll settle this in a minute. That doesn't frighten anybody. I got one of those, too. Good for you, Sonny. Some people don't seem to be familiar with the Constitution of the United States, which says... We, the people of the United States or of America, that matter, the in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner, eating his Christmas pie <laughs> He stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum, and along came the Black Mariah. <laughs> Miss Brooks. He won't even listen to us. Let me call him. After all, I'm still mayor. Fine mayor. She's been in office six hours and the whole administration's up the river. <laughs> as much your fault as mine. You and your police whistle. Now, don't start bickering, children. Maybe if we behave ourselves, they'll make us trustees. Hello out there. Oh, guard. Jailer. Turnkey. Shut up. My, what ill-bred screws. <laughs> Yes, yes, Mrs. Denton, I'll call you the minute I hear from Walter. Goodbye. Imagine that, Martha. Mrs. Denton wanted me to call the police department. How would they know where her son Walter is? I can't understand it, Martha. You can't understand what, Osgood. That's the fifth parent who's called me up to ask why her child hasn't come home for dinner yet. You'd think they'd keep track of their children and not suddenly discover at 7 o'clock that they haven't come home for dinner yet. By the way, where's Harriet? She hasn't come home for dinner yet. What? Well, don't just stand there. Do something. Call Miss Brooks. I put the children in her charge. Call the police. The Bureau of Missing Persons. Get the district attorney. Contact the mayor. Find out if there's somebody else. Why don't they... Be... Well, maybe you could get hold of them. But I don't know what you... What are you just standing there for? I'm here to... I'm concerned about you. are not concerned. Why don't you do something? Get going. Good. And that's the first portion of our Miss Brooks from January 16th, 1949, starring Eve Arden. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to our Miss Brooks, plus it's Space Patrol, a good sci-fi adventure for juveniles and you and me, Lisa, because yes. we're kind of juveniles. Definitely. We'll see you all next time. Be with us.